This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Um, as we just uh, heard, this weekend, uh, all over the country, uh, people will be speaking, speaking and marching and singing in celebration uh, of, in commemoration of the life of Reverend uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, so we'll, we'll hear from, from politicians, from, from preachers, from civil rights activists, the new generation of, of civil rights activists, um, about the life of one of this, this country's greatest sons. Um, we'll hear from a, a lot of people who are far more qualified um, than, than I am to invoke his legacy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most qualified uh, rabbi at this shul to invoke his legacy, not by a, a long shot. Um, and and, and uh, we all know that Rabbi Brous has done some beautiful work examining his thought over the years and, um, and its enduring relevance for, for us and for the world. Um, but there is one aspect of, of King's work that I am perhaps rather well positioned to speak on, and that is his work as a biblical commentator and interpreter, and as a lover of the scriptures, a love that I, that I share with him. No one, no one doubts that, that King was one of the great orators in our, in our nation's history, um, but his particular mode of oration um, as a Baptist preacher, much like ours here in, in the Jewish tradition, um, made constant use of images and, uh, and phrases from the Bible. And uh, though his Bible was longer than mine, there's an... <laughs> Um, he seemed to have a particular fondness for, for what uh, some call the Old Testament scriptures, our, our Tanakh or, uh, um, and, and Torah. Um, that was not unique to King, of course. One of the great refrains in the black struggle for liberation in this country is drawn from this week's Parsha, chapter 5 of Exodus, Shalach let my people go, send my people out. And indeed, the whole book of Exodus has served as an inspiration and, and as a template um, uh, for uh, the struggle against oppression um, since the days of slavery in, in this land. Um, it, the, 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 the reverence for the book of Exodus, the love of the book of Exodus, is one of the things that has united um, the Jewish and, and black communities in this country in, in friendship and in allyship. Um, so references to the, to the Hebrew Bible in the civil rights movement were not unusual, but King was particularly adept uh, at summoning citations. Um, in fact, his most famous speech, the I Have a Dream speech from the March on Washington, uh, as many have noted, is full of biblical references. Um, there are little ones sprinkled throughout, but there are two longer quotations in particular. Um, one is... Uh, taken from the book of, of Amos, of Amos, um, when he says early, early on in the speech, no, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. 
So that's a, a direct quote from, from Amos 524. Um, but the even more powerful, uh, more interesting, I think, uh, quote comes from the latter part of the speech, the, the greatest part of the speech, um, that famously was unplanned, that he did not mean to go into until Mahalia Jackson uh, shouted from, from behind him, tell him about the dream, Martin, tell him about the dream. Um, and he uh, launched into the, the epic I have a dream section, um, which was an idea, an image that he had been working on and speaking about, but had not prepared for that day or written down. And so he began. And, and so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. And that's, that's the refrain. That's the, the refrain that captivated our nation and continues to. I have a, I have a dream today. And towards the end of this, uh, he says, and remember, this is unplanned. He says, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Amen. Now, uh, that, uh, that is, uh, from, that is, uh, uh, from the book of Isaiah, from a very famous section of the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, which, uh, which begins, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. This section is, uh, is particularly famous in the Jewish calendrical tradition because it begins a series of haftarot, a famous cycle of haftarot. The haftarah is the, the prophetic reading that we attach to the weekly Torah reading. We did so today, and in fact, we read from the book of Isaiah. But there's a, uh, there's a series of seven of them that we, we read through every summer. We call it the, the, the Shiva Dinechamta, the seven haftarot of comfort, of consolation. Um, seven readings that are meant to console us after we mark the, the ninth of Av, the day we mark the destruction of the temple, our, our people's great uh, calamity. Um, and all of those seven haftarot are taken from the book of Isaiah. And this is the first. Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. Comfort, O comfort my people. Now, why would King choose this passage? Well, there is the reference to all flesh shall see it together, kol basar. So surely he was aware of that idea of all flesh, all shades of flesh being witness to the glory of the Lord. And surely also he was aware uh, of the context of the lines that follow, kol kareba midbar, a voice cries out in the midst of the wilderness. And, uh, and, and, and he was... He was stepping up to be that voice that day, that voice of, of comfort, as Isaiah had once been. Um, but the quote itself is from verses four and five of, uh, of the chapter, um, that every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. Now, there's a little misquote in there. It's very small, but for a text guy like myself, you notice it. It's significant because King says the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. 
But Isaiah says the crooked places will be made straight and the rough places will be made plain. Does it, does it matter? I, I guess not. And did King intend anything by it? Pr- probably not. I mean, he, he's speaking extemporaneously. He's quoting from memory. It's, it's, it's impressive enough. It's not something I could do. Um, so, okay, so the words come out a, a little different. But there is a tradition of taking the words of the prophets, quoting them, but reversing the order. There is a tradition. And who begins this tradition? The prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is constantly making reference to the prophecy of Moses. He does so this week. I said we we read from Isaiah this week, and that's because the first word in the reading from this week is habayim, habayim yashresh Yaakov, which is a a, a subtle reference to those who were habayim Mitzrayim, who came into the land of Egypt. So uh, Isaiah is is constantly evoking the the earlier stories in the in the in the prophecy of Moses. But another thing he does famously is to play with the language of Moshe. In fact, the very first words of Isaiah's prophecy, here, behold, is the prophecy of Isaiah, son of Amotz. The very first words are, Shimu shamayim v'hazini eretz. Listen, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. Now that is a direct reference to Moses' famous poem, his final great declaration. But Moses says, Hazinu ashamayim, give ear, O heavens, v'tishma aretz, listen, O earth. And Isaiah says, listen, heavens, and give ear, O earth. Isaiah flips the verbs and the subjects. Why? Well, there are lots, as you can imagine, lots of answers, lots of interpretations. Midrashot rabim, Rashi says, to that, that flipping of the order. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter for our purposes right now. What I want to highlight today is just the fact that there is a tradition. There is a tradition. This is one of the things that prophets do, is that they summon ancient words, but they say them in an entirely different way. And that's emblematic of the prophetic mission, which is to draw on ancient wisdom and to articulate it in such a way that it is clear that that ancient wisdom is relevant to the moment at hand. That's one of the the tools that a prophet uses. And there are tools and techniques in the tradition, and there is a prophetic tradition. And the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was surely participating in that tradition. Was he doing so deliberately? I wouldn't put it past him. Was it just a beautiful coincidence? Perhaps. But there is another possibility, which is that greater forces were at play. Is that possible? Is there any reason to believe that God was guiding the hand, the the, the throat of King that day? Well, I don't know, but I started to think about it. I started to think about it. He gave that speech towards the end of, of the summer in 1963, August 28th, 1963, was the March on Washington. So I looked it up. 
heap cal, and you can just figure this out. It so happens that King was speaking during what is in our calendar, Parshat Ki in the middle of the book of Deuteronomy, right in the middle of the Shiva Ninachamta, of the seven weeks of consolation, when Jews all over the world for weeks are reading and reciting the words of the prophet Isaiah. So, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just, just a beautiful coincidence. Maybe he, was, he had some Jewish friends. <laughs> maybe he was talking to someone and got inspiration there. Um, but I like to believe that the same spirit that inspired Isaiah's prophecy was there resting on King's shoulders that day. That as he invoked the words of Isaiah, he was also invoking the Holy Spirit that Isaiah channeled. Now, <laughs> am I saying that, uh, that King was a prophet? I don't know, that's, that's a lot to claim, but, but I will say this. The Talmud famously says that a dream is shishim minavua, is 60, 160th of prophecy. A dream is 160th of prophecy. So he was at least 160th of a prophet. And a dream like this, I dare say, goes a, a, a good distance more towards prophecy. So let's, let's, uh, let's listen to the words of, of Kol Kore, of that voice that cried out in the desert, bringing comfort. And let's do the work of making the rough places plain even, level, fair, so that we can forge that path towards, towards the glory of the, of the Lord that all flesh can be witness to. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brass again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission, to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon.